Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super happy to say that volume 66 of the other stories is sponsored by the Scare to Death podcast. If you're looking for something scary, mysterious and interesting to distract and entertain you, check out the horror podcast Scared to Death. There is nearly 100 episodes now of demonic possession, hauntings, shadow people, black-eyed children, alien abductions, and so much more. In the podcast, horror lover Dan Cummins attempts to terrify his wife, Linz, with two new supposedly true tales each week. Linz then gets back at Dan with potentially scarier stories, sharing at least two listener-submitted encounters with the paranormal, often the most disturbing part of the show. If you need more chills in your life, if you don't feel quite twitchy enough, it's time for Scared to Death. New episodes drop every Tuesday night, the stroke before midnight, Pacific time. And it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on YouTube. So, get scared to death. Today's episode of The Other Stories is Signs and Wonders, written by Dexter McLeod and narrated by Justin Fife. I'm afraid things have accelerated, said Dr. Perkins. She tried to smile. I think it's time we start talking about next steps. Easton had dreaded this conversation. How much time? He asked. His voice was steadier than he had expected. 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves. There are a few gene therapy trials I'm looking into, and there's been some progress on retinal implants. Implants, Easton thought, revulsed. He wasn't ready to cross that Rubicon. In the meantime, there's a counselor I'd like to refer you to. She runs a support group once a week that can help with this adjustment. Adjustment? She deployed the word with such cool clinical precision, as if they were changing addresses or taking up guitar lessons, as if she weren't talking about his inevitable blindness. You don't have to go, Bethany said, covered in mud and cave dust. You've had a rough day. I'm only going for research. Easton packed up the laser mapping equipment and adjusted his glasses for the hundredth time. What? You aren't excited about a fire and brimstone tent revival in the middle of Kentucky summer? Sounds like a hot date night. Assuming we survive the mosquitoes. He put on a brave face to humor her, but he welcomed the night's distraction. If Bethany hadn't need more comparative religion field study for her anthropology thesis, he knew she wouldn't be going either. I can always take her off your hands, Chad called down to them, dangling from the rope leading out of the chamber. The musical din of the waterfall cut him off as it poured through a hole in the ceiling and into the cavernous lake. Speaking of mosquitoes, Easton muttered under his breath. Bethany feigned disapproval of his insult, and Easton rolled his eyes in return. They knew Chad was their supervisor because his father was the lead biologist for Mammoth Cave, studying the eyeless fish, shrimp, and crawfish that made the caverns their lightless home. Chad more than had made up for what these creatures lacked in eyes. He would stare at Bethany when he thought Easton wasn't looking. Long, uncomfortable stares. And soon, I won't be able to look at all, Easton mourned to himself. They trudged their way back up through the tunnels, surrounded by the music of cave crickets, leaving their wispy shadows to follow behind them like the damn footsteps of Eurydice. They pulled into the parking area, pitched on the freshly mown field about an hour before sunset. A yellow and white striped tent dominated the center of the field, like a candy cane holy of holies, though what was once a bright lemon and ivory had cracked and faded to a deep goldenrod and eggshell. Rows of folding chairs were arranged in such precision they reminded Easton of the buried columns of a Chinese emperor's terracotta army. Your thesis connects this to ancient religious rituals? Easton asked. Ultimately, all religions serve similar functions from an anthropological perspective. They change form. Their function is need for transcendence. Well, some things are just part of the human condition. They sat about halfway up the center aisle, people watching as the crowd arrived in a trickle of twos and threes. Church ladies cooled themselves with paper fans illustrated with biblical paintings, Da Vinci's The Last Supper, Raphael's The Transfiguration, and even Albrecht Dürer's Self-Portrait, which Easton supposed the fanmaker mistook for a painting of Christ since Dürer looked like a Renaissance Jesus. The revival band brought their instruments to life as Reverend Calvin Gasper took the stage. The congregation jumped to their feet, clapping. He grinned behind the pulpit, utterly comfortable in a suit that should have left him sweltering. 
Gasper raised his Bible like a talisman above his shock of white blonde hair. My dear brothers and sisters, I want to introduce you to the Most High God. The sermon was what Easton had expected. Sin, damnation, cries of amen. Gasper leapt down from the dais, pointing at congregants to give them words from God. As he wandered the aisles, believers rushed forward for prayer with waiting elders. They asked for forgiveness, or comfort, and for healing. That's right, brothers and sisters. Do you have faith to come unto him? To be released from the bondage of your infirmities? Gasper ambled to Easton's now, scanning the crowd. At last, he pointed to Easton. Do you need deliverance, my brother? For Mark 16 and 18 tells us, They shall take up the serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Easton tried to wave Gasper off politely. Almost in answer, car alarms in the field began wailing. Dogs barked in the distance. The lights in the tent flickered, and the main tent pole swayed. The band broke off playing mid-song, and an eerie hush fell over the crowd. Is this an earthquake? Bethany whispered, gripping the sides of her seat. When it stopped, Gasper cried, Psalm 18 and 7 says... Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. The word wroth spilled over the reverend's lips like an accusation, and he locked eyes with Easton. He calls to you, my brother. Will you not heed him? Easton grabbed Bethany's hand. We're leaving. She nodded and they tried to slink down the aisle. As they reached the exit, Gasper called to them. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Exodus 7 and 3. The tunnel map sprawled before the teams as they huddled for an emergency meeting. The park director pointed at the various locations as she spoke. Last night's magnitude 5.4 earthquake broke Kentucky's previous 1980 record. Our sensors picked up some movement, so we may have minor structural disturbances. We need a safety sweep before we reopen the park. Radio relays on the lower levels appear to be working, so I want everyone to do regular check-ins. I feel like we were just here, said Chad, dismounting the rope. Bethany landed next. Chad was more handsy than usual in helping her down. She half swatted his hands away. We were, Easton answered, irritated. What the? Bethany's headlamp shone under the lake, or rather, where the lake had been. A new passage appeared across the lake bed, below the former waterline. Water streamed down into it, draining the waterfall's influx. Puddles like tidal pools imprisoned the eyeless fish. You're the engineer, said Chad. Is it stable? Easton leaned against the wall, shining his light down into the darkness. The opening seems supported by the underlying rock, but 
This isn't dissolved limestone. This passage was dammed. Someone sealed it. Someone? Chad doubted. Indigenous Americans mined this deep in the late Archaic period, Bethany answered. We know so little about them. It's a big mystery in anthropological circles why they abandoned these caves 2,000 years ago. Easton jumped back. Damn it! Pain bloomed in his hands as he teetered over the chasm. He caught a glimpse of something translucent on his arm. Is that a snake? Bethany screamed. Easton's vision doubled, and he felt a wave of uncontrollable nausea. He vomited. The cavern spun. Then, only darkness. Easton was in the revival tent. Believers clapped for him, singing dark hymns as they undulated in their seats. They shall take up serpents, they sang. Gasper led the song, but his face changed and folded, becoming a painted image on a paper fan. And Easton saw the hand that waved, and the fan belonged to Dr. Perkins. Adjustments, she tittered. The congregation sang with her. Adjustments for your retinitis pigmentosa. With the current angle closure glaucoma, take up serpents that you may recover, for I shall give you the signs and wonders." Easton's vision collapsed, and darkness returned. You know, it's a matter of time, Chad insisted. He can't be trusted down there. He didn't even see the damn thing. I get it, you're being charitable. You can't tell me this is how you see yourself in five years from now. Ten? That's not fair, Bethany defended. We just, we just need time to figure this out. I need time. Chad, you have to give me time. The overhead lights of the ER pierced Easton's stupor. There he is, said a doctor. He flashed a penlight into each eye. Easton examined his arm, seeing a network of blisters and a puncture wound. My dad says it's a new kind of nemertia, explained Chad. What? Easton asked, still swimming through a fog. A strange aura of violet colors enveloped Chad as he spoke. Have I had a stroke? Easton wondered. A ribbon worm, Chad motioned into the plastic box. Water sloshed with the movements of a thick three-foot-long worm. Chad lifted the lid and used a pen to provoke it. Its mouth opened, vomiting out what looked like its own intestines. A video of one went viral online a few years ago. They have a stinging proboscis. When they attack, it turns inside out, squirting a web of spaghetti-like tendrils at their prey. Some have barbs like a harpoon to inject venom. This new species appears to be eyeless. It's disgusting, said Bethany. And huge. A shimmer of green surrounded Bethany as she spoke. Easton could see the glowing violet handprints on her side and the imprint of purple lips on her cheek. Chad's been touching her, Easton could see, kissing her. A 180-foot one washed up on the shore in Scotland, said Chad. A cloud of purple light radiated from his words. Bethany winced in emerald hues. It dawned on Easton that his vision had improved no longer narrowing to center field, but widened to his periphery. He marveled at the colors. 
They have their uses, the doctor explained, glowing in a halo of orange. Compounds in Nemertia venom are being studied to make drugs for things like Alzheimer's and glaucoma. Looks like Easton has a mild allergic reaction. He just needs some rest. I just need some rest, he agreed, staring at the Nemertia. Easton didn't stir when Bethany left their bed to answer the door. He dreamt of singing, of chanting, of whispers calling to him from the unblocked passage. Something writhed in the darkness, stirring in the rush of water, beckoning him. He calls to you, my brother, tittered a voice. Will you not heed him? Easton bolted upright in a sweat, woken by Chad's muffled voice. He moved to the living room. Purple light bloomed below the guest room door. He'll hear us. Bethany's whisper half-protested. My neighbors heard you last week, Chad laughed. He doesn't give you what I can. Glowing silver trees flew by as Easton drove down the gravel service road, leading to an auxiliary cave entrance. The fences and locked doors were no problem as he'd stolen Chad's pulsing purple keys from the kitchen table before storming into the night. As an exclamation point to his fury, he slammed the door for them to hear. I'm so sorry. Bethany's cries rang in his ears, but not as loudly or as sweetly as the dark, thonic songs pulling at him from below. Hand over hand, Easton made quick work of the descent. The taverntine floor was alive with a host of glowing golden worms. Were they waiting to greet him? One slithered by a pool of water, extending its proboscis like a metronome conducting a congregation of fish. As it held court, the fish moved in sightless answer. He crouched, marveling at its golden shimmer. He offered it his outstretched hand, welcoming the dark gift. The Nemertia stung him with gentle, nearly painless caress. Gold light poured into his veins as a swell of bliss rose in his heart. Then, the room glowed purple. The fuck you think you're doing? Chad yelled. In Easton's ecstasy, he hadn't heard Chad trundling into the chamber, and he kicked Easton onto the floor. Breaking in? You're done here. And you're done with her, too. A worm stung at Chad's rubber soles. He raised his boots and slammed down atop it, crushing it into a slimy paste. A gurgling came from the passage, and a low mewing that rose into an almost human scream. A massive Nemertia undulated into the chamber in glorious golden fury. Its proboscis sprayed a net of barbed stingers into Chad, wrapping him in a blanket of nettled pain. He screamed as it dragged him headfirst into its maw, pulling his face apart greedily and crushing his skull like a melon. He dropped to the floor, headless. It turned lovingly to Easton, deployed a stinger, and gave him a full measure of its venom, its communion wine, and it sang. Calvin Gasper's head was bleeding, but he paid little attention when he realized he was tied to a chair. What is this? he demanded. Easton set a box before him and opened it. Gasper could see a writhing thing spill out of the box. It crawled to him, jittering. My dear Reverend Gasper, 
I want to introduce you to the Most Deep God. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Signs and Wonders was written by Dexter McLeod, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Kai Engel and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Dexter McLeod is a writer from the southern United States, though he vacations on the shores of the dim Carcosa. He writes in the darker shades of southern gothic, cosmic horror, science fiction, and the new weird. And you can follow him at Dexter McLeod on Twitter. And that's McLeod spelled M-C-L-E-O-D. Did you know that the experts agreed that it's not the coffee or the tea or the bovril or whatever hot beverage you drink from your mug that breaks the crust from your pineal gland and weaponizes your third eye? The results are in and it's unanimous. If you want your drink to open up your chakra and turn you into a superhuman who exists in all dimensions, then you need to drink your hot beverages from none other than our The Other Stories mug, which is available from our web store at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Once again, if you want to laser beam people from your third eye, go and grab one of these coffee mugs, available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Be sure to join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. If you enjoyed the episode, you can help support us over on patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. And you can get help with your short stories and your podcasts over at theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.